Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And, uh, Noel, this is my moment. I have been training for this. Is this your fight song? A long time. No, it is not my fight song. But as a musician, I have years, so many years of uh, of of training in how to be by yourself for hours and hours and hours. And going like, just like there were summers when I was at U of I where like my friends would be out of town for like a month or like even just a few weeks. And I would literally not see any, I would go to the practice room and I'd practice for like, I don't know, five, six hours. And uh, then, and I would then go home and like watch movies or something. And I, I got to the point, I started going to grocery stores just to be around people. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I have trained for uh, the self uh, social distancing kind of thing. And I am, I'm fortunate that I am not all of that, uh, constrained. I will be teaching over Skype and I'm sure some of my students will want to. And so I will be down some income, I'm sure. But on the scale of things that it could be, I am very fortunate. And I am, every time I get frustrated with any of this, like the situation, you know, that we're in, I just go like, most people have it much worse than I do. Most people do not have the temperament to just sit for hours in a room doing busy work or watching stuff or practicing. Uh, so, yeah, on the scale of things, it's a, the world's a giant garbage fire uh, right now. But, hey, the the political figures in Illinois, at least, seemed really, really incompetent. They seemed really on top of it when they gave their big, like, talk yesterday so i'm at least feeling better about illinois uh, uh how how is it in washington she said huh. very tentatively i mean washington as like you're aware and listeners if you're not aware sort of ground zero for mm-hmm. a lot of stuff here uh regarding the coronavirus uh in the united states so um insley who thank god his presidential campaign tanked um is i think doing a fairly decent job uh we've basically closed down public and private schools k through 12 um in three counties including the county i live in uh starting on monday um uw which is the university of washington has closed all its campuses um they've got three campuses in this region um so that's been exciting my job my job my college that i work at part-time is transitioning to all online in a couple of weeks in which i will not be doing anything for them right people now. hire noel to write <laughs> stuff because he's very yeah. smart and he has a lot of perspective and wonderful things to offer and yeah. you, you can't get go in person to to do it's hard to do like help like computer help remotely you know like it doesn't really you gotta click this stuff for them yeah especially um like our lab is predominantly supposed to be used by like adult adult basic education and adult esl learners doing that kind of stuff like remotely 
not really an option. Um, and because I take transit to get to campus and because transit, while lovely, it's not the best way to not get sick. Um, I'm not going to work when the spring quarter starts. Um, as I basically volunteered to do because I represented too much of an unethical action on my part, basically. So I was very cheaty about it all and just gave myself a stomach ache and also gave my... (laughs) my checking account also a stomach ache uh <laughs> which is fun yay so, yay um but also like and we'll talk about this in a few minutes but like with um the late night stuff of like and sanjay gupta's discussion in particular um about these are actions that we all kind of need to take in terms of caring about one another um so that's where I'm kind of looking at it from is that it hurts me, but it's also going to hopefully help a lot of other people because like one of our student workers, Kate, she has two kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be responsible for getting her sick and then getting her kids sick. Like that's not yep. okay. Yep. Um, so no amount of part-time money is worth that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we are and it's fun and it's exciting. But Kate, there's very good news because I know that you did not watch the Rose Garden press conference that was held just 30 minutes, an hour before we started recording. But Target, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and a bunch of other private companies are coming to save us, Kate. (laughs) They're coming to save us. Yes, corporations love us and are going to protect us all. They're giving up their parking spaces so that we can do drive-through testing. I feel like that is a big, big thing that we were just told earlier this week was not a thing that we were going to do because mm-hmm. it dismantled the relationship between our primary care physicians well, and see, the people love, they love their health care right, so no. much. They love yeah. their providers and they love like their insurance companies. And so, you know, that's, what's most important. Oh my God. Like, I really do wonder if the people who say that stuff have ever had to deal with the healthcare system have ever had like the number just to get a, a a referral that i like i was referred for a thing on valentine's day mm-hmm. and after and it should have like you know i know things need to get approved and all that stuff but like it should have taken no more than two weeks yeah to get to get processed and everything that the thing that i was referred for i will be going in in april that was the first available appointment after the hours over like like about 50% of my like time that I'm supposed to be off work when I'm actually working cuz I as a small business owner that's what you do um yeah. was spent it, for an entire week was spent on the phone on hold wrangling people to get my thing that should have been approved approved and then forms and then back and forth so that I could even schedule the appointment. And so like the, when people talk about like, Oh, well, most Americans love their, love their insurance and they love their, it's like, no, they, no, they don't. They yeah. love being able to go to the doctor. <laughs> they love, yes. they love being able to get medical care. And that is very different than the bureaucracy that, you know, and not to mention the complete, lack of transparency around costs that goes into our current healthcare system. So yes, it's very good. I know, I know it's such a sacrifice to, to, to not ask people to maintain the current system for this pandemic, but it's, you know, tough calls need to be made. I mean, and apparently that's one of them. Yeah. 
But also, you know, 1.5 trillion right back into the stock market to yeah. do the thing. But it's amazing how what are we there is pay money for, for universal health care, Kate? How will we pay for How it? will we pay for universal child care or universal like paid sick leave? Those seems like things that could be kind of useful right now. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bunch of nonsense. If only someone had a plan for that. I just keep going. I know it's not helpful, but that's where I just keep going. It still well, stinks. <laughs> it's It stays in my brain, too. It stays in my brain, too. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> yes, I have, you know, out of self-care, I have not followed any of the, the, the conferences, the press conferences and, and such, and I just wait for it to trickle into my feed. Uh, usually in the form of fact checks. And that's how I have been staying abreast of things. And I think that's been much better for my mental health. Uh, it, it's a different kind of quarantining. It's good social distancing. It's very, very <laughs> helpful social distancing. You know, it also is a bit of social help, at least, is, is when we hear from our listeners. And we heard this week from, from Matt in France, who I think... Uh, this because there are, we've heard some other from at least one other Matt, but I think this is a new, different Matt, Mia Matt, um, uh, who 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 uh, listens to the podcast in France on the way to work and says, "I appreciate your podcast so much. Thanks again. That's so nice. Thank you, Matt. You like totally. You made my day. Yeah. I I'm sure it contributed to Knowles. I mean, granted, both of our days with everything that's going on have been shitty, so it's not saying a lot. But even yeah. on a good day, we love hearing from you guys. Yeah, no, we appreciate you listening. So thank you. It's like, oh, there's somebody they're they're actually listening to us <laughs> randomly on a bus somewhere in, in France or in a car. I don't know how you get there. Maybe on a bicycle. That's what I like to think. And when I think of France, I think of people on bicycles. But uh, that's because, you know, I watch too many old timey movies and haven't traveled to France. Um, this week, we're talking about uh, a bunch of more bunch politics of TV <laughs> where politics is going to come up as we talk about. Well, because this, I mean, it's, it's you can't avoid it. First of all, you can't avoid it because it's everywhere in every part of your life anyways. Yes. But you specifically can't avoid it when you're talking about the impacts of COVID-19 and the coronavirus on all of our lives and specifically around how TV is working. We're going to get into that a bit um, when we talk about uh, the week in TV. We're going to talk about like how the different late night shows are responding to that. Uh, my question for you is uh, we know that some shows are going without audiences, but you know, when, you know, in, in Illinois, Governor Pritzker, right, said, uh, came out and said, any group of, anything that has a thousand people, we will shut it down if you don't. And uh, including churches and any gathering of 250 people or more, we strongly recommend that you shut down, that, that you don't do. But we won't, like, show up with cops to break down the door. Um, and most sets are going to have that. Mm-hmm. So certainly production studios and stuff like that are going to have that. So how long before, like, because everybody's like, oh, we have to stay in. So no going to the movies, no going to shows. But you can at least sit and watch TV, right? Uh, how long before all of our TV shows have to shut down? Uh, basically this week in a lot of instances. Mm -hmm. um, I know that, like, The Bachelorette has postponed its production. So the, the new season of The Bachelorette's stopped. Um, Entertainment Weekly's report that Netflix has stopped all production on any of its original programs and movies. So those are just done. 
Um, I know that. I think um, Universal TV Studios' um, production arm is basically attempting to speed up production so that they can wrap um, their seasons up for any shows that are currently on right now. Uh, listeners, most seasons tend to wrap up around March or April, um, particularly like in late March, typically, is when they shoot their f- their season finales. So they're trying to speed up production so that they can wrap um before they have to shut down um i believe that batwoman has already shut down um i I saw that on twitter during the trump Trump press conference in the rose garden so i didn't click on it because i was too busy being enraged um (laughs) but yeah so i think that there's we're gonna start seeing that happen within like the next week or so i imagine by like middle of next week i would not be surprised if most tell most currently running television productions um, are going to shut down, which is going to have a serious impact on pilot season um, in particular um, in terms of getting those shows up and running or even just choosing pilots. Um, and this is also just even extending to things like CBS basically going, oh, <laughs> March Madness, not happening. Not happening. Um, ah. I guess reruns of Hawaii Five-0 and Young Sheldon? is actually is what they're doing um mm-hmm. because they have to they have to air something but they also will end up probably having to give back significant chunks of money to advertisers mm-hmm. um which is also going to be a big deal and so the ripple effects of our entertainment industry television specifically but we've already seen a number of movies either shut down production or get delayed i swear to god kate new mutants is never ever going to come to theaters <laughs> it's just never going to happen um, yeah i need mulan <laughs> in my eyeballs and also wonder woman uh so yeah though, though yeah. I've, I've been so behind on work that i haven't even been able to see bird of prey yet which i still wanted to see so oh, maybe this good. delay is actually going to help me like so i can actually see them in theaters yeah and i mean that's sort of like the weird thing of like this concept of social distancing, depending on like your work status and everything, um, it means, oh golly, you can just catch up on a bunch of stuff. Or what you should do is watch a bunch of old stuff. I well, feel like that's my question: is when, yeah. like, which network is going to be the first one to just like go into their back catalog because they all have so much content, yeah. right? And make this a special coronavirus event you know like pull out like roots or something you know do like make an event of it every day like you've got a captive audience yeah you know for those who don't have netflix you know yeah exactly it'll be interesting to see how they they each approach this and try to like spin it into a positive thing yeah so i'm i'm curious about it as well um but like this is one of those times where i'm just like if you actually if you you have cbs all access right now because you're watching picard Mm mm-hmm they actually have a really good back catalog of like older programming compared to a lot of the other streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because CBS just knows its audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a lot of good programs on there that you can watch and you should because they're good. Um, so if you've got like all access right now, I really encourage you to go through and find some old shows to watch on there. Like I'm pretty sure they've got Columbo. Um, <sighs> I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. You should watch Columbo. Like, th- uh, who's going to turn into, like, a coronavirus marathon event with old episodes of Columbo and Murder, She Wrote and Law right, & exactly. Order Original Recipe? I will be here for it every day. 
Precisely. So I think that that's one thing, like, there's a lot of, like, television to catch up on now. Like, I mean, you and I, we haven't even watched, like, the first few episodes of Debs yet, or whatever yeah. it is. And that has Ron Swanson. I mean, Nick Offerman. Yeah. But I'm excited about the prospect of just watching some old shows, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure it out, but I also have Kingdom Hearts 3 to play, Kate. And yeah. that's just, Priorities. like, that's a, that's a solid, like, 60 hours right there. So... Yeah. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do. But yeah, so I'm really curious um, what the state of television is going to be, especially come the fall, um, and what that landscape's going to look like. Um, and also, just if this keeps, if the coronavirus keeps sort of being a thing, um, what NBC is going to do this summer without yeah. the Olympics? Yeah, um, because. It's sort of how NBC helps itself stay afloat every four years is the Olympics. Um, and particularly the Summer Olympics. So I'm really, really curious um, what they're going to do, provided that the Olympics get canceled, which they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've just I'm imagining sort of a even more sort of dire look at television, um, like after the WGA strike. Um like 10 years ago yeah memories i'm also expecting like this is going to be rough for certain shows it's going to be rough for for the networks unless they come up with creative solutions which will i assume be rewarded with viewers this is gonna i assume be great for youtube and great for people who are making content in like really small like on their own or just like with one other person yeah because that, first of all, that's already the content that's getting the biggest viewership and most consistent viewership at this point. Like online, like streaming stuff gets millions more views than weekly TV does at this point. Um, so, and that's often the production of that is it's a lot of one stop shops. Now you'd be amazed at the size of the production that goes in, like for that goes into certain channels. But a lot of people who are sitting creating uh, their own content for themselves, they're gonna have nothing but time and be churning out new stuff that can be more relevant to the what's going on day to day so it's it's gonna be an interesting uh thing to to follow um and just you know as a way to keep track of what's going on in 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 our entertainment world and uh, granted we are we are joking around about this we're very aware that this is going to be in a massive economic hardship on a lot of people Right. We're both freelancers. We like I, I'm in the service and entertainment industry as a musician. So we are not trying to make light of just how bad this is going to be for a lot of people just scraping by. Um, so please do not think that we are we do not understand the hardship uh, that many people are going to face. We are just also talking about what else we can expect in these next few weeks and or months. So we will see. For now, if you are looking, you know, at a long, at least a week or two at home by yourself a lot, uh, Hulu is still doing a free month trial period. So perfect time to sign yeah. up. Um, and this week at the end of the show, we're talking about their, uh, documentary about Hillary Clinton called Hillary. Not the documentary about the Hillary, I think it's a documentary from quite a while back about the Hillary expedition, which I kept finding when I was trying to like search up uh, information about this online. Uh, so, so that's coming at the end of the show. We'll have some thoughts about that, but, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting few 
episodes here at least and uh hopefully everyone at home is staying as safe and as socially distanced as you can um our thoughts are out with everyone who's having a hard time right now let's listen to some music and come back and talk about some very interesting and very funny and very silly tv uh we will be right back after this That was Believe from Benjamin Booker, which was featured this week on uh, the Black Lightning finale. More on that in a bit. First up in our Week in TV, we're going to do a bit of a roundup about how Late Night is responding to the coronavirus and COVID-19 situation and uh, like reacting with not, not having audiences and, and what that means for their shows. Then Noel's going to give us some thoughts on the latest It's Personal with Amy Hoggart, uh, Anxiety. We're going to talk a little The Unicorn, which has finale, no matter what the future brings. You know the Unicorn people are glad they only had 18 this year. Uh, next, we'll move over to Reality with RuPaul's Drag Race, You Don't Know Me, which was their second premiere. And then the McMillions finale, episode six. Before we go over to Genre with the Steven Universe Future Return, In Dreams, and Bismuth Casual. And then the finale of Black Lightning for season three, The Book of War, Chapter 3, Liberation, a eventful episode of The Flash, Death of the Speed Force, and we're going to round it out with just like, oh, just like, I love it so much, Legends of Tomorrow. Single bright spot in everything this week. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. So good. Uh, Okay, so first up, our late night roundup. It was originally supposed to be starting Monday that all the late night shows were going to go audience free. They, you know, like scaled that up pretty quickly. Um, The Sam B had her show on Wednesday without an audience and then by thursday the other shows were were following suit um which i applaud all of them for taking that seriously the advisement of the the different uh uh, governments uh, like state governments and city governments in their where where they're filmed uh so how you know which ones have you watched obviously we watch full frontal most weeks but um which ones have you seen this week and how do you think the different hosts are, are handling this you we mentioned the uh, writer strike earlier. That's the last time that yeah. I think can I think a less comparable time um, to this level of disruption. But it's it's very different going from no writers to no audience. It's very different, right? Um, so I watched Sam B with Full Frontal. Um, I watched the Casual Thursdays, A Closer Look <laughs> um, for, for Seth Meyers <laughs> for Seth Meyers, and then I watched. Um, late show with um colbert's whole thing mm-hmm. uh because they just taped his rehearsal basically <laughs> and then they interviewed sanjay gupta and that was it um and then colbert left <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's so i've watched those i did not watch kemmler fallon 
Um, well, I should I should say I didn't watch Buttigieg or Fallon. Yeah. Um, so I don't know anything about those. Um, and yeah, no, the writer's strike was very much at the forefront of my mind when they announced that they were going to go sans audience because it just kind of frees you up in a way that, again, the writer's strike just kind of freed you up to just do ridiculous things without crossing um, the strike line, basically, of like, all right, I don't want to write because then I'm like not showing solidarity, but I also can't not work because then a lot of other people are out of jobs as well. Yeah. So that kind of a thing. So we're going to do really weird stuff and we're kind of going to do it as a collective, um, but we're going to do weird stuff. And so I think that Colbert comes the closest to doing weird, like legitimately weird stuff, but it's also a rehearsal and just rehearsals are just, as you know, kind of weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, Very different energy. Yeah, no, it's a super different energy. It's also super different energy when your host is clearly buzzed <laughs> <laughs> on bourbon. Yeah. Um, so generally, I think that the Colbert one is kind of delightful um, in just the kind of weird energy it has. But I really appreciated um, Sam B's overall approach in Full Frontal. Um, they have a little bit more flexibility because they have that taped third segment ready to go. Um, but the first two segments I think are really strong and I really enjoyed the, my writers put in jokes I have not seen yet. Yes. Aspect. And that was the best part for me because it just, it was so fun. And it was, it was more fun than like Colbert yelling and demanding to know if Hobbs and Shaw was canon (laughs) to the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, so I think it's just, it was very, it was very enjoyable and it was a good way to do their show and still also feel like their show, which Colbert's show feels like his show, but to a lesser extent when he's just yelling at his director. Um, so yeah, but what did you think about it? I know that you were a big fan of Full Frontal's approach. Yeah, it was the best approach. Uh, and you're right. They do have a lot more leeway with that third tape segment ready to go. So they, they don't, it's, they have less time to, to fill, you know, without having that kind of feedback that you rely on. Um, it shows the benefit of getting the audience to be invested in and, uh, have a relationship with your writers because they yeah. use some of their writers for their film segments. When they cut to the, the writers in the audience, we recognize and know some of them so that that also and they've also developed like a a rapport with her with with sam b on screen like who knows what they're actually like but like there's a dynamic between the writers and sam b that as an audience we're already connected into and so when they're throwing in jokes to mess her up we can absolutely uh visualize them cackling in the audience and watching her mess up and and like and be part of that fun and so that really paid off in the in this episode i hope that if if they i don't know how long they can sustain that but i hope they try because it worked really well and i would like not all these shows to go away um though you know of course they should do the, the whatever the most responsible thing is so we'll see how it goes you need a lot of people to make a tv show with one person on the the screen it's still it's a lot of camera people lighting people sound people like yeah there isn't a way to 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 do any sort of a social distancing tv production you can do uh a selfie stick and in an office in a cubicle or something or at home uh but that's going to be content for online that's not going to air probably so right 
yeah, we'll see what happens with it. But I thought theirs was by far the strongest approach, and it was the smartest approach. For Colbert, uh, he has such a history of weird and yes. an uncomfortable and strange comedy. He has absolutely no trouble just going, getting weird with it and getting uncomfortable and getting, like, bizarre super niche with his comedy and you I mean just go about look at strange with the candy you know like just go look into his in his back catalog now that's completely different from what his show is at this point it's com- like it, antithetical to what what his show is but um but but it, it did allow for really fun and, and loose energy when he started when he was the bear in the white house and he had to tell the camera no don't follow me come on it's like can't you tell what i'm doing uh it was just so fun and so ridiculous. I also thought that Jean Baptiste was a big part of that. The, the yes. and again because they've established that rapport and because he is a performer with just so much experience and so good at uh, playing with time and 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 all that stuff that he's very comfortable. I mean, as that I mean, he's obviously very comfortable with any type of audience, a very intimate small one like this feel is or a big one. Um and so that really helps as well uh, in in the, that energy there. I don't think it was quite as successful as Zambi, um, as Full Frontal was, but uh, but it was certainly interesting. And I think they, if they keep going with shows, then we can expect more interesting and fun things because they're kind of like the circumstances free them up to be more experimental in a way that they normally would not be because they would be more beholden to ratings. Um, yeah. And it, this, you know, it's an understandable, it's a very different situation. So, yeah. Yeah. I saw some clips of the Buttigieg hosting Kimmel's thing with um, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, he seemed like he's having a good time. He's jamming out with the band. That's, I mean, I just look at what the different candidates who are out of the race at this point are doing with their platform. And, you know, Buttigieg wants to go on the show and have a great time. That's, that's great. You know, good for him. You know, that's, I don't want to take away from that. Um, I do think that maybe in the midst of all this, what's everything that's going on in the country, not a great time for that. Like maybe leave that to entertainers. Um, but people, you know, c- considering how he it's, it's very, it's a very distinct choice in how you present yourself, I guess, to be doing a, a stand up, like a monologue at late night, um, especially when it's not even going to be to an audience. Uh, so that was an interesting choice, but I understand on a personal level, you know, who knows when you're going to have this opportunity again. I, I get, I get all that, but Yeah. Not it was weird, but not fun weird, yeah. Like like Colbert, though I'm sure fans of Buttigieg really appreciated and really enjoyed it. Um, so I don't want to you know be too down on it, but yeah, that was a little weird. And then the closer look thing for Myers, I thought was again it was I, I applaud their choice to be like yeah we were gonna do the show, but then we got new advisement about crowds and people and so we're and just our guests canceled on and us. our guests all canceled because like understandable and so. Yeah, we're just not gonna. Yeah. I appreciate how and respect how uh, mature and responsible that is in a public health crisis. So 
It was also, again, it was similarly very loose and fun. The, the energy that Full Frontal had with the writers was there a little bit here. Um, cause the, similar to the, the Colbert thing, this was with Myers was the rehearsal. <laughs> and yeah. so they're just like things that he normally, Myers normally wouldn't say about like, see, I told you that I w- I don't, I don't know that joke. They, they said it meant something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a more loose and fun kind of approach. And I thought like I would go full frontal and then Seth Myers and then Colbert for like the order. So Sam B, Myers, and then Colbert for the order of effectiveness of it. But all three of them, I thought, were interesting and fun. And I certainly enjoyed them. And I would recommend seeking them out on YouTube. Yeah, I would too. Um, yeah, it, it is. I know that Myers is just off. Like, they're not coming yeah. back. And they're not going to come back until the, the curve flattens, basically. Yeah. They're not coming back. Um, and I don't know what either of the other shows are doing. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I jokingly suggested that Colbert just stream from his home while drinking and we just do that. And I, I would watch that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we all would. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us really, really would. Yeah. Uh, like just, just put up uh Colbert and, and, and uh, like comedians cars getting coffee, but comedians at home Skyping. Um, yeah. Just like, well, and people were talking about this. Like, it basically feels like a podcast. So like, right. Just, release a video podcast from of you in your house like if it was colbert and john stewart just kind of talking about what the latest was you know people would watch it so uh maybe they would watch it on youtube though not on not on the the cps you know late night play prime time or whatever yeah like you know you guys know what i mean uh so we'll see it'll be again i keep saying this but it's going to be interesting to follow uh and then speaking of uh, interesting timing, uh, how about the, the timing here with its personal with Amy Hoggart? The episode this week is an- Anxiety. So that's appropriate. Uh, how did this episode go? <laughs> so this is like, I think, the first episode that kind of delivers on its promise of premise, I should say, of what this show is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no cutaway of Hogart doing something weird, like sketch stuff, like going to the tire and doing a polling uh, press uh, focus group at a tire place with twins, or as they did in the previous episode, trying to pitch some Miami tourism video to like the chamber of commerce or something. Um, This is all really hyper-focused on this one guy whose anxiety is so bad that he can't get through job interviews, which also this struck home. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, but the episode was really nuanced, I think, in terms of kind of like, we're going to approach your anxiety in a kind of funny way, but we're also going to do things to hopefully help you get over your anxiety. And we're also going to tell you ways in which anxiety can be helpful. They go talk to a woman who was in, um, who lives in Ireland or Scotland, who basically she's one of those people who experiences no fear, no anxiety, and doesn't also experience pain because of like how her brain chemistry works. Um, All those receptors get blocked basically. And so they talk to her about how she just lives this like really relaxing, uh, idyllic life. Uh, But her husband is like, no, I do find her very calming, but also I have to watch her like a hawk. Um, because she'll get into the shower and she'll have forgotten to turn on any cold water and her skin will burn. Mm-hmm. She'll burn herself on the stove, all this kind of stuff. And like, yeah. this is where anxiety and being kind of aware and fearful 
helps you be better. So that becomes like one of the drivers of the episodes of how did, how can this guy channel his anxiety in a way to n- be productive but not let it take him over? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really good. They arrange for him instead of doing like a fake job interview, which they kind of do in the middle of the episode. They arrange for him to do a actual job interview completely outside of his field because he works in the tech industry. So they get him an interview to be a senior loan officer at a small bank. And it's like an 11 minute interview. We see like some of it, Um, but it's just like, I'm both really glad that they got this bank to agree to do this Mm -hmm. because it's a massive waste of time for them. Um, But at the same time that they agreed to do it and just that they were just like, Oh, this guy's, interviews are bad they're just terrible experiences so let's help this guy in a really legitimately safe space no stakes whatsoever because you're not getting this job get better being in an interview and so the episode was just really good it was really funny and i just felt like it hit on the premise of if she's pitching herself as this really empathetic person then watching her sort of like get anxious but also literally become his anxiety at the end um through just some solid silliness um i think it actually is the first episode that works so that's why i wanted to mention it it's the episode that if you're on the fence about it watch this episode and then i will let you know about the rest of the season (laughs) after it airs but this was this was the episode i think that is what the show wants to be okay that's really interesting and i like that uh that blend of yeah, it can cripple and take over your life, but also very purpose uses and, and yeah. values to it. So it's just a matter of trying to manage and put everything in balance. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, uh, next up is the unicorn, which had a season finale. No matter what the future brings, which was mostly yes. I thought very uh, straightforward, very nice, um, uh, and. Very, very like full circle kind of finale. It seemed like it went very well. Um, and then uh, ended with uh, what is supposed to be a big deal. So, yeah, Noel's very excited. Listeners. I am. <laughs> uh, Noel so- loves love. No well, loves also- love. So what so what did you think of the finale? Right. No, I do think it does a really good full circle sort of job here. Um, but I also think that it does really right by its bench of side supporting characters who at this point Wade feels like a supporting character in his own show. And I'm kind of okay with that because the show's just stacked. Um, so I like this idea of Forrest getting an HR job at a bro tech firm or whatever it is, and just I'm here for the shenanigans that will come in season two from all of that. It's just going to be delightful. Um, But this idea of going back to college um, and just figuring all this stuff out, I'm very excited about the show setting up stuff for their other characters who aren't Wade into the next season. Because that's not something that always happens in these kinds of certain ensemble type shows or ones that are ostensibly about this one guy and then his friends. So I like that recognition. Um, but Kate, they got Natalie Z. So we mm-hmm. got a justified reunion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yes, I'm not thrilled about a meet cute with a vet. 
um, where our only clue is a bumper sticker sticker thing on her car. I feel like it's going to be easy to find her. However. Well, also, she says her clinic is just a few blocks away. That's yeah, not hard no, to find. No, it's not going to be difficult to find a vet like that. Um, but I'm just like, I'm I'm here for Natalie Z in non-detour shows now. I've abandoned the detour. Um, and I just, I, I got, I got very giddy at the whole justified connection. And then I just went, wait, that means, that means Timothy can be on the show soon. And then my brain just started percolating with all sorts of ideas. Anyway, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was very sweet. I'm very eager for a second season. Um, and yeah, so that's where I am. I think I was very legitimately surprised by how solid the show was in this season. It wasn't like really great heights, I think. But it was solid. And I, I, I really appreciate a first season comedy coming out this solid. Yeah, no, I agree. Also, I don't know if we're on the same page here. Timothy Oliphant as her dick ex-husband? or Yes! Yeah, right? I feel yes. like that would be very good. Oh, Kate. This is, this is why we do this together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go team, go team. Yeah, no, it was a solid finale. It was a, there was a lot to like, and like you said, this this cast is just so fun to watch together. Listeners, um, Noel put a note in our like uh, in our in our planning you know document here with like just <laughs> about this one. So I kept watch. I was watching it, and I was like, wait, I was like, I'm trying to think of what could possibly spark that about this show. Like, there is nothing about this show that would right. make any yeah. sense to be a twist or a surprise. Right. Um, other than like maybe a love interest, but the thing is, I don't think I think there's a little bit of trouble for me because the the end of the episode, I needed it to feel different than when he's met his other love interest, and it didn't. Yes. That is super which is fair. a problem, uh, and it's because it's because Walton Goggins has chemistry with everyone, and uh, and also they've brought in really terrific actors and really warm and gorgeous and fabulous people to be his love interests along the way. Like they brought in Missy Pyle for like two scenes on a plane. Like <laughs> it's a ridiculous cast on this show, even just for one-offs. So when they bring in Anna Luzia, and obviously we have that justified connection, but it doesn't, f- when you, when it's supposed to be different and obviously it is because of the connection to the, the, the story about the, how he met his, his, um, you know, deceased wife and everything. And that's, we're supposed to connect to that. That's very clear. But, the scene at the end did not feel different than when he met Amy. It did not feel different than when he, you know, when he was get, you know, took things to a new level with Caroline. So like, I, hopefully that's something that they have a plan for, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it certainly as well. Um, speaking of looking forward to it, we have RuPaul's Drag Race uh, season 12, episode two, you don't know me, the second premiere. And, I will just say up front that so far I'm actually rather pleased with how World of Wonder and VH1 are ha- handling the uh, Sherry Pie of it all, uh, doing their best. Like, and it's not just even on the show, but on all of the because there's Drag Race fans knows there there are lots of web series around the show that that are like reaction things to like Toot and Boot and re- the the recap shows. Like, there's a lot of other content around drag race and they have cut sherry pie out of all of it not even like mentioned not even like just like uh, maybe alluded to in the introduction vaguely and i feel like that is the right way to go so uh i'm curious you know and and, and i've only seen i'm like one ahead 
So I've seen one more than y'all. Or by the time you hear this, you might have seen the episode I've seen. And so far, they are like cutting out as much as they possibly can. I hope that will maintain as we go. Um, with all of that out of the way, what did you think of this episode? And did that really cast a pall over it for you? Or were you able to com- kind of compartmentalize? Uh, I cast a little bit of a pall, um, mainly because, like, watching it, I could very clearly see, like, the show in this initial edit being, like, just positioning Sherry Pie as, like, here's our frontrunner. Yeah, here's a frontrunner, yeah. Um, and it was very aggressive about that. And so it made the episode a little icky in that regard. Um, so that wasn't great, but now that they're, like, beginning to shift those things around which i think is really good and i was really curious if they were willing to do that um because of this edit um because yeah if if sherry is as good as she is in this episode then it's just like this is going to be impossible for them to really effectively edit around um without seriously just kneecapping their show and also the other 12 very talented queens because this is a really stacked like cast this cast is very very good right and i did text you in thinking that like the second group is not quite up to the same level as like our first group i i still stand by that even though i do think that there's a lot to like in this current group in this second group that we get um but i yeah so i'm just i'm curious to see how that narrative is going to be reshaped now considering they've already shaped it and now they have to reshape it again. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm, I'm curious um, to see what they do. I, I thought Robin was super fun. Uh, the untalked with her was, was absolutely delightful. So fun to watch her. Cause it, sometimes they bring the celebrity judges onto untalked. Sometimes they don't, um, which is like the, like after show that shows the Queens hanging out while the judges are deliberating. And, uh, and when some, some like when Nicki Minaj came, there was some Q and A. There was some like discussion, discussion, but it was very much, and it was very respectful and very engaged. You know, she was such a great guest judge. When Robin came, it was came on. It really felt like she just wanted to hang out with these people. She's like, yeah. "You guys are great." It's just like just like supportive and warm. Like, ah, you guys are just so awesome. I really loved watching you. It was so much fun. Like, it's just like not like I will like they like not like someone that they were excited. They were obviously very excited to meet her, but not like someone who was gonna then like give advice and be a mentor kind of figure. But just like someone who's just excited to be invited to just hang out and be with these people. And that was a, so it was a very different energy, and it was really neat. Yeah. I'm, I haven't seen any of Untucked because it doesn't get included with us when we buy the episodes. Oh, it on doesn't. Amazon. Oh, no. on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we haven't seen any of it. So thank you for telling me, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's good to know. I'm glad that Robin just went to hang out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, the this episode also I had. I I really liked the tool looks. What did you think about Rockham's look? Because Ross thought it was too much, and Michelle yeah. liked it. I think Ross, normally I'm all about Ross, but I was like, Ross, what is wrong with you? I love this look. Right. And I think it's just very, like, I see, I turned to my partner and I was just like, yeah, no, they're going to, someone's going to ding Rock for just hiding, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that was what's going to happen. And I was just like, called it. <laughs> um, and, but no, I liked it. I thought it was effective. Um mm-hmm. I think I liked, um, I think it was Jan's look the most. Oh, the, the construction worker yes. jumpsuit? Um, yeah, just because it, 
embraced the concept, I think, of in a different way. But I was just generally here for Jan's whole bag um, in this. I think she's definitely one of the stronger from the second group. But I also think she's probably one of the stronger ones overall once we've disqualified Sherry. Yeah, they, they're a very... I mean, like, that's the thing is even the weaker queens. Yeah. Um, and I would agree that there were more weaker queens on the second group. Yeah. But in a regular season, they would be mid-season queens. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there are filler queens. Uh, or it doesn't feel yet like there are. Maybe that'll change as we watch more episodes. We see where yeah. the cracks are. But they're also throwing these queens in the deep end. So the first episode, five looks. And yeah. at the end, by the way, for the first queens, the first set of queens, they needed a sixth look right, because they had their... a second entrance. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and then. Those looks were good. They were so good. Heidi's look with the mohawk. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. Crystal had that Frida look and you could barely see it, but I was like, oh. <gasps> Yes, this is amazing. And like, even like, like Jackie has that kind of just really straightforward black bob, silver dress. Like, and you know, like you can tell which of the queens are like, oh, I'm saving my yeah bigger looks for other moments, right? But they still all looked amazing. Like Gigi is just like, I'm just wearing a, a very straightforward gown, but I'm fabulous and I'm beat for filth. So like the oh man, I they're they're asking a lot of them. Really quickly. And the next challenge is the improv challenge. That normally comes like episode six, episode eight, and they're putting it basically in episode two. So sink or swim. And and these queens are swimming. So yeah, I'm looking forward to I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a really strong season. I also hope that this means that the judges have more and the producers, I should say, have very specific and very interesting challenges planned. Yes. Because they are burning through good challenges if they don't, you know? Yeah, we'll see. But let's move on to our next reality, and that is the McMillions finale, episode six. And we did find out how it was pulled off, how the McMillions scam, the uh, McDonald's Monopoly scam was pulled off. And it was, uh, as it was bound to be, it was an anticlimax. Yes. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, So I think maybe they they over, they goosed it a little bit. Yes. But in general, I thought it was a satisfying conclusion. I, the, the gag of the episode for me is the reveal with the what's his face Columbo, right? Frank Columbo being mm-hmm. buddies with the one guy. <laughs> like that was the 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 big twist for me. But I yeah, I thought it was solid and overall I ended up enjoying the series. What what did you think of like sort of the the back half of McMillions? Well I like the twist of the kid working at McDonald's. I thought that was really solid too. It was uh, a good end. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very solid. Uh no, I think that they did indeed goose it uh, pretty hard. Um, giving us all that stuff in like the first episode about how really ridiculous the security around these, um, the play tokens were. Um, and just like, wh- how was it going to work? And then the result being this perfectly understandable and really good low tech way is just like, oh, so wait, it was just an accident that this worked out like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's less exciting. <laughs> um, you built this up for five hours and it's less exciting. Um, but it's also just kind of speaks to the happenstance of how you just kind of fall into a crime, which I think is an interesting concept, but it's not. And it's consistent with 
sort of how we talk about the victims in this as well of how they just kind of fell into this um by taking the money um Mm -hmm. so there's that aspect of it but it never feels fully fleshed out enough to me to be like the through line of the idea of the documentary um so i think it's I think it ultimately, like the first couple episodes, like I said, I think a week or two ago, were like the strongest episodes. Uh, but then it just kind of runs out of steam a little bit. Um, it's basically, you know what it is, Kate? It's the equivalent of getting really fresh McDonald's fries and not <laughs> getting fresh McDonald's fries. Um, and the back half feels a little less fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Down to even the painfully manufactured reunions between people here. Um, that I just went, no, I don't, I don't need any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't, but okay. I guess we're doing this. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where I ended up with it. I liked it. Um, it did not live up to its own internal hype for me. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you on that. And certainly, uh, I think it's just because the that first episode is so strong mm-hmm. and so engaging. I think, I mean, there's definitely a shorter version of this yes. that keeps that pace um, and is more satisfying overall. I don't know yeah. if it's as interesting. Yeah. But it's more satisfying. So, you know. I'll be I'll be curious to see what listeners think if they check it out. So let us know. Yeah. Um, next up is the Return of Steven Universe future, and we have In Dreams and Bismuth Casual. So I I liked both of these. Yes. I did feel like In Dreams was. I mean, like I'm sure it's going like somewhere with their arc and with Steven's progression. It did feel very similar to his previous Dreams episodes, where he's working out issues and he's not opening up and he's not you know. He's not using his words, and so, like, his issues manifest in his dreams. Um, The bismuth casual I also enjoyed, but I have some questions about some of the art for it and their take on bismuth. So, first, uh, thoughts on in dreams, and then, and like, what did you think of these? And are, you know, are you excited to have it back or not looking forward to the show being done? Especially, they're doing two episodes a week. Yeah. Um, I'm not looking forward to it being done, but I'm also, I'm looking forward to closure is I think what I'm looking forward to the most of how, how, and particularly how do we give Steven closure is what I'm really kind of really interested in now, especially as we're entering uh, the back half of this um, and we're going to burn through it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I care about. Um, And I think that the in dreams episode really kind of speaks to, where all this is going but it also like you said it feels very reminiscent of his other dream episodes and it also doesn't really do anything new in terms of what those anxieties are and how he's dealing with them um and that was sort of my struggle of wait we're doing the lost finale everyone's (laughs) but i'm not allowed in and i think that's interesting i like the cookie cat coming back um, and I really like that as a concept. And I'm, I'm hoping that kind of recurs a little bit because um, it's a good call, call back to like the first episode. Um, but it just didn't do or say anything new really for me. And that was that was a little frustrating. Yeah. Um, as for Bismuth Casual, like, I mean, first of all, that name is just 
Legends of Tomorrow level. Esque, <laughs> uh, <laughs> strong there. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the idea of like going to the roller rink and everything, and just the whole nostalgia of the roller rink that's embedded in this episode is very much my jam. Um, but it was just, I was frustrated a little bit by like characterization. I want to hear about what you felt about the art, but I was just like, Connie, why are you, why are you just letting Steven just hang himself like this in front of your friends? Yeah. Um, this feels weird and I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, so I was glad that that kind of gets repaired, but I was also like, but this doesn't feel like Connie. Him, her checking on him later felt like Connie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, at that moment, I just went, this is just manufactured for the sake of the storyline as opposed to being consistent with who Connie is. Uh, so that was frustrating. But it was also, I was also trying to be like, is how much has Connie grown up in the interim since we've seen her? Because we've barely seen her at all. What's been the shift for her Mm-hmm. And the answer is, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I just went, that's that's not an answer show. That's not an answer show. Uh, so that's kind of where I fell. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Bismuth and Pearl. I'm curious about it, but I was also just like, there's no time to develop this whatsoever. Yeah. And that makes that makes me kind of sad. So that's how I kind of felt about both of these episodes. Tell me about how you felt about the art in um bismuth well here's my thing and i actually agree with you with what you're saying about connie and the representation like 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 of that relationship and what it like i didn't feel like time had passed but then based on how connie like like based on their interactions then it felt like i missed a lot of stuff such that connie would be so oblivious you know yeah like it was it was interesting and and it it just it was very much adjusting connie to serve the needs of of steven's story for that episode yes which usually the show is does a better job with um my issue with the art is that steven universe has a lot of their characters that are more that the more of the the good characters are more femme and the villains uh, of the amongst the um, the gems, like on the average, a lot of them are to to seem to seem more powerful. They're bigger and they're drawn more butch or masculine. Sure. And so when they have Bismuth as one of the goodies in overalls and dreads, that is a significant thing. And uh, Bismuth is just an awesome, really interesting character. Like, for example, think of the wedding, how how she drew, dressed for the wedding, because that's her, right? That was great. And so to in order to show that she's interested in Pearl, suddenly she's wearing mascara, and her hair is kind of pulled back in a more traditionally coded feminine way. Yeah. And... It didn't feel like something that they were showing that, well, this is her making an effort because she's interested in Pearl and all this stuff. Cause, and, and maybe, maybe that's something that Bismuth had is perfectly comfortable dressing and presenting herself in a more femme way and doesn't, it just doesn't choose to. But we have never seen anything around that. And so to change her appearance 
to code romantic interest as needing to to make her more stereotypically femme in how she presents herself, I think is not great. Yeah. uh, Subtext encoding. So I was not all that excited about that. And, And it's, I mean, really, it's such a subtle thing with just like an extra line of black under her eye and slightly thicker lashes, but it's there. And, and this is a show that really pays attention to their details. So it was definitely a choice that she dolled herself up to go out. And she's in a button down in slacks, right? I don't remember. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some fluidity there. There's like some merge there. Yeah. Um, of looks because she's yeah bismuth's definitely in a button down in that Mm -hmm. um because they do the whole thing about like unbuttoning the shirt to do the gem thing yeah um because your my friends will love it it's just like oh it's so good um so i think that's like there's a there is for me a sort of understanding of fluidity there and Mm -hmm. emerging of it basically I don't want to say fusion because that carries with it certain things in this. Um, but I think that, yeah, it doesn't super bother me, but I do see how that's an issue. Um, I mean, I still like the episode and I still yeah, am yeah, interested yeah, yeah. and intrigued by that pairing, but um, especially you know coming from Bismuth. Um, and, and given how long their relationship, how long they've known each other, which gets a shout out in this episode. I guess it's just something to, if, again, if they ever come back to it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to look for and keep an eye on and like, see what they do the next time. Um, yeah. Now I want to go back and rewatch that episode because I didn't notice that. I just noticed the slacks and the button down, which I thought Bismuth looked great in. I noticed the hair tied back and everything, but I just was just like, no, that makes sense to tie it back if you're going to, like, go roller skating. I think you don't want to get it in your face. Um, So now I'll go back and watch that episode again. Yeah, and, 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 you know, like I said, it's subtle. But for me, it's there. So, again, listeners, let us know what you think. I'm excited for what's going to come next. And like you said, I really am hoping for a sense of closure and finality to the end, which I don't know if they're going to give us, but it would be nice. Uh, speaking of closure and finality, we had the Black Lightning finale, the Book of War Chapter 3, Liberation. And I thought this was a very strong season finale. Uh, and I'm, you know, like they were not messing around from the very beginning of this finale. Like when they're like, yeah, no, we're going to have basically uh, the, the cops or the Markovians, not unclear who it is. Shoot our journalist report, like our, our like citizen journalists are our, our reporting. It's I the think. Markovians. Yeah. Okay. In the back, and then they're, we're going to make sure that you know that her video did not get out, and yeah. she died for nothing. Like it is, it is bleak and dark at times, and I think that's appropriate to the show. But it also shows again what we keep coming back to with the show, which is its priorities and and the kinds of stories it wants to tell and how it's going to approach them. So I thought that was. That was very strong. So I don't know. What did, what did you think of the finale? Well, I think that one of the things to pick up on and one of the things I wanted to sort of like maybe at least start thinking about about this season was the extent of the direct address that is embedded throughout, um, typically done through people talking to cell phones, cameras, or through webcams and laptops and basically just monologuing at the start of an episode. 
And here we get the closer of it, the story being shut down and not getting out. And so I'm really curious about this concept of video archives, basically, that this season has constructed of stories of an occupation. And <clears throat> what happened to those stories narratively in terms of in the in the universe? What happened to them? Where did they go? Where do they end up? Um, so that's something that I don't necessarily expect the show to deal with, but I find it really interesting that the final bit of that ends with someone dying, um, and getting murdered. Um, and what does that mean? What are we, what are we taking away from that? And what does the show want us to take away from that? Because I'm not entirely sure that beyond that one particular isolated incident here, that there's any other like capstone idea behind it, which means that they just came up with this really cool idea to do videos from an occupation, but then that that was the end of it, which I think still works because it gives, it gave a lot of those actors different things to do, um, which I really, really like, but I just, I'm trying to suss out any sort of larger meaning or if they just stuck with a really, they came upon that stylistic choice and went, no, let's just do it to everyone and see how it looks. Um, how do you feel about that? Did you like, I mean, we sort of referenced it, I think a couple of times, but like, given that this was the last one, both in terms of a finale, but also in terms of a actual like direct address type of deal, how did you feel about it within the framework of a larger seasonal motif? I think that especially with the failure of the ASA and the betrayal of it, and also the very bittersweet ending, uh-huh. That we get, like, where they think they've won and we know they haven't, and it, or that it's only a partial win, and yeah. the long view of history is gonna, is, you know, is different. Um, I think it's very interesting, and I think it underscores and, and, um, and undermines the rah rah, um, sort of just heroes will triumph. Mm hmm energy that they kind of need the show to have at times and certainly they need their characters to have or else they wouldn't be putting on costumes right so um i think and it as a like a palate cleanser and uh like a just a let's okay sure yay you won also these people are all still dead yeah also like like this guy the guy you beat got away and is you could come back at any time. and um, As Wayne Brady's off. schedule allows. As Wayne Brady's schedule allows. Um, I think was, was, um, was I, I don't know, I, for me it's really effective. I would also love at some point, you know, with with the various connected shows they have, either Kara or Lois next year with the Lois and Clark show, to, to for like those videos to get published online on Black Lightning or one of our reporter characters, or, or Iris, of course, yep. um, to, to... Provided she ever escapes. Provided <laughs> she ever escapes, to find out about them and um, push to get them published or, like, campaign for that for her to get, like, a Pulitzer or something, like, posthumously, yeah. which I don't know if that's a thing that they do. I don't know. I think so, but I don't know. Um, but I would love to see that as a storyline. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, because one of the things that now they're all in the same universe is, like, the degree of accountability, which is something that we've been talking about a lot with this show, in particular, as it gets merged into the same 
universe. The what's the degree of accountability in terms of for this for the rest of their universe going forward when something like this happens or is going to continue to happen? Um, I don't think it's a mistake, or I'm sorry, I don't think it's unintentional that they end up in Gotham to make mm-hmm. like their big thing about it, to have their hearing, to have their day in court, basically. Um, in what this means, like Gotham, sort of, they can't go to Star City, <laughs> and they can't go to Central City, but they can go to Gotham, which positions Gotham in a certain way in universe. Um, so, what does that mean? What does this look like? And how does this configure into everything else? And I think that's both a question that Black Lightning needs to answer as it goes forward, but it's also a question that the rest of these shows have to answer as well given what Black Lightning talks about and is about. Um, So hopefully, provided next season happens, um, (laughs) and the extent to which it happens, we everyone's thinking about that because I think that's really important going forward um, because it's easy to do that whole shared thematic idea when you all shoot in Vancouver. It's a little harder when this one show that's much more politically geared is shooting on the other side of North America. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of uh, our other deaths, Henderson? Yeah. And what? And did you buy Jefferson's instinct to save Gravedigger? Because I, I had trouble with... I, I think that on paper it works, and I think... The actor, you know, Chris Williams sold it, but I still had trouble with it. Yeah, so I think that the Henderson thing, just because I knew it was coming and had known for like a month, um, wasn't a surprise. I really liked the scene. I thought it was. Yeah, actually, I thought it was. It was really. It was really really potent, um, especially considering that that character and that actor have just been gone for like weeks. Yeah. Um, that a quick sort of moment between these two just lands like a freight truck um just that whole idea of i can't move you because you have a hole in your chest oh it both speaks to sort of like their relationship but also just did not expect that this was going to be the thing um yeah and but it's really good it's really it's really really good i think um and it's definitely sort of like the best sort of denouement sort of instance in the whole episode um the gravedigger stuff I get it on paper, and I get it even to a certain degree culturally um, for Jefferson, but I don't know that it works. Like, I'm in agreement with you. Like, it, I kind of struggled to make it click into place um, for me. So that's kind of where I ended up, but also at the same time, I'm just like, well, it means that you can just bring Wayne Brady back at some point, and I like that. I like that idea. But it also means that you bring him back without, like, the full force of the Markovian army or anything like that, which makes him more dangerous and this kind of a thing because he doesn't have a very small army with him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm interested to see how that goes, but it's also just like, check the body. (laughs) Yeah. Always check the body. So that's, that's where I am. Um, Let's see. Was there anything else? Um, Do you think that we're done with Khalil? (laughs) No, of course not. No. Um, what did you think about their his showdown with himself in this whole totally different dojo type thing that's both very Matrix, um, like very clearly just like we're going to do a Matrix riff, um, but also like them flashing like 
himself up on the walls during the fight as well. So like memories of what he's done and everything up on the wall as well. I thought it was really good. I thought almost all the fights in this episode were all really, really good and really interesting. But that one just kind of stood out on like different sort of fight choreography, but also just we're going to do slow down motion so that we can do wide shots. <laughs> so that you don't see that one of them is a stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also just shows like how how successful they have been in their visual style. Yes. Right? And it's always been a priority on this show. Their fights are good. They're compelling and they're interesting. I don't know that I needed a painkiller Khalil. Like, I don't know that I needed painkiller to get out so that yeah. Khalil could fight him. Like, that felt like filling time. But if you're going to do it, do it in a stylish yeah. way. And they did. And uh, and that was, again, very, very effective. Um, I always appreciate when they when they make unusual stylistic choices for, like, a superhero show, show or a CW show. I, I feel like it always works for them. And uh, this was no, no, no exception to that. I, I also think that... He should have killed Odell. Yeah, but it's very much an instance of we really like this actor. Yeah, but or <laughs> and also, but we like this actor, and also we can't have him in our universe. Are like yeah. or not feeling that the show or the morality of Jefferson right, is exactly. strong enough to be able to sustain both of these characters with such different points of view. Yeah, they're not willing to be that audacious. Yeah. Um, which is disappointing. Yeah, especially when you consider, like, the weird state of, potentially, of, like, what Lady Eve Mm -hmm. is in at this point, uh, which probably can't be good, but also, we never see a body. So, (laughs) which is also a shame, because, again, I like that actor a lot, and that character is just delightful. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Black Lightning, other than, you know, we've... I've really enjoyed the season. Yeah, I think that there was like a weird pacing issue with this season. Mm-hmm. But part of that was the crossover's fault, I think. But also yeah. part of it was just, for me, the shift away from the school represented a larger break with what some of the things I liked about it. Um, mm-hmm. But refocusing the show on the Pierces and their sort of found family aspects uh, made up for it to a certain degree, but it also meant that a lot of other things it left less, weirdly, it left less room for, like, certain characters. Like, Jefferson just feels like a thing that exists in this show this season, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. But it was also just weird that that revelation of Gravedigger being related to him isn't given the amount of space, I think, that it needs to justify what happens in this finale. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah definitely. It felt like a, just a okay also you're related because because yeah. then that, oh, that explains why they're stable Done. yes yeah uh, you know. um oh yeah. we didn't talk about the like the most heartbreaking death though mm-hmm. we didn't talk about jace and how much i'm going to miss that psychopath <laughs> <laughs> oh what a straightforward way well because that's the thing is like where this episode was so straightforward about killing characters yeah and then didn't commit to killing odell yeah, yeah. and that it's like, oh, it would have totally, with the character, it would have made more sense. They, like, they earned it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, like, oh. But they're like, no, we want him to still be cuddly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's disappointing. Uh, but yes, Jace will be missed. Well, speaking of deaths, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that takes us right into our next show, The Flash and the Death of the Speed Force, which is mostly yay Wally West. I always love when Wally's here. It was so great to have him back. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Lonsdale is just terrific. I don't believe them. They're not going to stick, keep it. But it's really, I like this as a, as a tension and as a, as a nerfing of their, the characters. Um, so I also need when they fix it for Barry to go tell Wally. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with it. But, um, if they, if this means that the speed force can't show up as Barry's mom anymore, that's probably for the best for the show. But uh, I don't believe them. And I kind of need it, not just like make their own Speed Force, but to undo it. Because um, this feels way too big. On the other hand, I like that there are still lingering shoes dropping from the yeah. crossover, which we're also seeing in Legends. So I'm I'm of two minds, but mostly I want, like, this is perfectly fine. Now fix it, which I don't know if they will. Yeah, I mean, they have to, because it's where he gets his powers from. So they have to do something. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I like the idea a lot, too, because it's basically the only way to, like, depower a speedster is you take away the speed force. Mm -hmm. Um, And so while this gets into, like, larger things of identity and everything, um, of, like, the real hero was inside you all along. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, sort of. I mean, we watched... We watched Grant Gustin do a bunch of pratfalls in this episode, and they were delightful. Um, mm. But it's one of those things of this is the only way you make the Flash vulnerable, really, because he's arguably like the most powerful in a lot of ways, just because of everything his speed can do um, or allow him to do. So changing that up, finding a way to mix that up, basically, I think is really exciting. What I'm more curious about is how needing to build an artificial speed force plays into the mirror stuff. Because I feel like that's where the overlap happens at this point is like that's this, this dueling sort of universe kind of dimensional concept has to come into play somehow. And I think that that's where this comes in. I'm hoping it's where it comes in because I really want Iris to get out of there. Um, and I'm also very worried about um, Camilla being sent into the mirror universe. I think I think that's how mirror guns work. I don't remember. It's been a very long time. Um, that that's where this is all going. Um, but it also just will allow for lots of fun things to happen. I think is the other thing of Barry being like, I'm used to being able to do things really quickly. Like that whole thing of like, no, we'll take care of cleaning up, and they're just like, no, we got this, and it's like mm-hmm. done immediately, and it's just like great. But also just. Kate, the joke of the the vibrating hand of death, yeah, that was just, great. <laughs> was just so good. Um, like it was just like I saw it coming. Like as soon as he like holds up his hand, I'm just like, Speed Force is not working, buddy. It's not working. It's not going to work. And then it was like, no, you're just you're in Nash's body, so it's not going to work. But I was just like, I don't care because the joke is very very good. Um and that's the kind of thing that I think we can like look forward to, but also like the next episode's going to be about speed force growth hormones and doping on speed force drugs. So I'm just like I'm also here for that storyline, I guess, but that's kind of where I am. It it, it makes sense. I'm not interested yeah. in it, but it yeah. it does make sense for the character. Right, exactly. Um so that leaves just the fact that Fawn is back again. With his own mm. artificial speed force. And I'm sure, Kate, you were very happy about this news. Yeah. 
just he won't die. He just won't yeah, die. Yeah, Legends has shown <laughs> how you can bring back characters when they should stay dead and have it be amazing. Yeah, we'll so get to that in a second. <laughs> maybe, maybe they have better things planned. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I just hope that this is not. This needs to, this. I need this to lead to the rediscovery of the other universes, yes. the rest of the multiverse. I need it to not be just a way to bring back Thon. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good call because we've got a whole Star Girl show dropping in a month mm-hmm. <laughs> that takes place on Earth yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I, we'll see what happens with it, I guess. Uh, our last episode is Legends of Tomorrow and Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. And I loved it so much. Just, like, everything about it is so good. Like, I, I'm still not excited about Nora and, and, and Ray leaving the show. But if they are, what a lovely way to send them out. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, like... My my larger question about this is how we're sending them out is, wait, what's Ray going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he can stay on the ship. He doesn't have to listen to Damien about this. Um, yeah. Well, and I don't think Damien's necessarily right either. Yeah. No, I don't think he's right either um, is the thing. It's just like, I just, I don't know what Ray's going to do, but it it's a, it's a, it's a literal nitpick in an otherwise mm-hmm. just like, Guys, we're just going to do an episode of Frasier with Damien Dark. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And it's, I'm just it's like, like <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. And then we're also going to do a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood riff. And it's like, puppets again? <laughs> Gary the Train Abomination. Yeah. Oh, man. And that joke of, I'm no longer afraid of trains requiring you to make that time connection of, mm-hmm. oh, no, it's been however many years. Because he got tied to a train, but then he got turned into a train, and now he's not afraid of trains anymore. And it's just like, the layers, Kate. Mm-hmm. The layers of layers of layers there. It's just, it's really good. and It's, it's very good. It's very funny. Like, the fact that they don't need to convince Constantine to play along at this point yeah. is really important. Because Constantine's always, I don't have time for these shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I need to... S- wallow and brood and it's like oh no i'm i'm perfectly happy to pretend to be nora's girl nora's boyfriend it's just like oh no he's totally into this and then just the resulting of johnny c yeah i can't kate i can't deal with it yeah it's it's very good it's very very good Oh man, yeah. Uh the the balancing of the different storylines is so effective. Giving making this very much a a episode about uh fears and uh about uh parenting and and also being a child being of someone living up to expectations and all that. Like and what does it mean to be a child? Tying in with Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and Nora and and her relationship with her dad and then folding in this mixed stuff like and I just love that they named her Lita too. Um, of course, I go immediately to wrestling with that name, but like, yeah, it's just every part of this episode connects in a beautiful, delicious way. It's incredibly earnest and sincere, which the most of the Legends episodes are. Yeah. Um, and it it just it just sings. It just I finished this episode and I was legit 
happy. Yes. I was just like, watch this. It's like, this made me happy. And I know that sounds like we're depressed or something, but it's just, it's a very stressful world right now. And so, like, I legit, like, I watched these other episodes this week and I enjoyed them. They were interesting. They gave me things to think about. So, you know, they reflected on different things or they were just fun, like the unicorn, right? Um, and I finished Legends and just went like, we do get to have some nice things. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Legends writers and, you know, team and everybody involved. Uh, it just, it's, it's a lovely, beautiful thing. And it's, uh, again, it's, it's just like this, this theme or this trend in TV of nice TV and affirming TV. Um, it goes back to, you know, Jane the Virgin and even, you know, other shows in a thread in a line before it once upon a time comes uh, sorry, well, one day at a time also comes to mind, of course, of making interesting stories about people who are good and yeah. want to be good and want to help other people and celebrating that and in a way that doesn't, hide the challenges that doesn't hide the impulse towards destruction um or or fear or you know anxiety you know <laughs> the amy hoggart show um but but t t tackles that and says that you know sometimes the bravest thing you can do is is just live in who you are as a person and accept who you are and not try to be who your dad wants you to be yeah. <laughs> in this case an evil sorcerer <laughs> and he's so excited um yeah. but i also think that like one of the things that really works about this episode is how much it remembers who its characters are just mm -hmm. top down like that whole notion of sarah refusing to basically just make amends with damien at yeah. the end there it's just like, like you still no. killed my sister yeah you still killed my sister and just the fact that that's just not going to be done undone in any way shape or form no matter how much the show has both rehabilitated damien dark as a character of interest to an audience from where arrow did to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. to this maniacal evil but deeply charismatic weirdo um and then just going and then having a realization of like no i'm gonna regret killing her too now and here's and here's why like my daughter and then i'm just going to kill myself with this Genghis consort um so that i don't get tortured again but also as a way of like making amends, like it's a weird sense of um, whatchamacallit. Um, it's a weird other type of character rehabilitation, redemption sort of deal of like, nah, he's still just the worst. He's got a hair trigger, but at the same time, like the show has done really well by that character that they've kind of made everyone go. Yeah, no, he's terrible. But also, Sort of like a shrug kind of deal, but it also just realizes. But also, he's interesting and he's rounded, yes, and right. there are facets to his evilness. Yes, that are much more interesting than yeah. what a lot of shows would do. Right, and and also just Neil McDonough is just like, oh, this was the role of my career. <laughs> this was it. He still has not gotten. He, he will. Not, I don't think he will ever top the line of his career. Yeah, which is of course. <laughs> It's a piggy bank, uh, but 
but but but it's still yeah it's a it's an amazing really strong performance and yeah it's just it's so fun i love this episode i love everything about this spoiler alert what was my week in tv it's legends yeah, yeah no it's um, legends it's, it's legends. definitely legends but um yeah what a sweet and wonderful and perfectly ray palmer way to like spend this episode is is delightful yeah it was and just oh, i'm gonna miss those two just all of this yeah. was very good. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now we're sad. But, okay. Wh- now we're sad, but <laughs> next week, Kate, Romeo v. Juliet, Dawn of Justness. Dawn of justice. <laughs> justness. Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited. Um, okay. What wins your week in TV? It's Legends. Yeah. No, it's Legends. I mean, there's okay. not another answer. I, I, you know, we like Schitt's Creek. I really liked Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They're just giving Eugene Levy so much stuff to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Victor Garber. Just yeah, all of the Victor Garber stuff with just it was really good guest episode uh, or guest performance. It's up there. It's it's going to yeah, be in no, contention at the end of the year. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's it's legends. Uh, now we'll take a break and listen to a trailer and come back to talk about the Hulu four part Hillary Clinton documentary. Hillary, we'll be right back after this. I provoke strong opinions. Are we ready? There's so much to talk about. Okay. I didn't grow up thinking about going into politics, but much to my surprise, was elected president of the Republicans. I got into law school. I thought I'm going to try to make a difference in people's lives. I took a class and I saw Hillary sitting there. And he was watching me. She closed her law book. I said, if you're going to keep looking at me and I'm going to keep looking back, we ought to know each other's names. I'm Hillary Rodham. Who are you? She was different than anybody I ever met. I said, I really want to marry you, but you shouldn't marry me. There is a set of expectations about a first lady. I violated them from the very beginning. She brought to the forefront women's roles in society. This is radical feminism. He decided to ask Hillary to become Secretary of State surprised people. Hillary's polarizing. Human rights are women's rights, and women's rights are human rights. People would run up clutching copies of that speech, reciting that line from it. Email. Email. Emails blew up. Bang. It played into all of the suspicions. She's so sketchy. Cold. Calculating. She could actually be crazy. There is this sense that she knows that she is an ethical, moral person, and that can blind anyone. You know, you get scarred up a little bit. It wasn't like I thought, how can I think about the most stupid thing I could possibly do and do it? I didn't want anything to do with him. Chelsea put herself between us and held both our hands. As long as she has been in public life, there have been these ups and downs. You know, be our champion, go away. You want to make a difference, you want to have an impact. Well then, you got to get in the arena. That was a trailer for Hulu's four-part Hillary Clinton documentary, Hillary, uh, which dropped last week on Hulu. And this one was, you know, it's something that it got quite a bit of press when it first, maybe it dropped, no, it dropped a while ago, didn't it? I, I'm i I'm messing up I'm, my premiere dates. Um, I don't quite know when it dropped, but there was a lot of pre-buzz about it. Because uh, mm-hmm. it like premiered. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it premiered at a film festival. Okay, and that's so, when all the Bernie stuff got. Yeah, lots that was of the main thing that K 
came out was that little segment with the Bernie stuff. So yeah. that got a lot of play in mm-hmm. the run up to this being released on Hulu. Okay. Um, then a few, uh, for me, I was only, you know, I was a little curious, but mildly interested in this. But as I watched it, I mean, I will be very clear. I was an enthusiastic voter for, for Clinton, um, in, in the 2016. And I, uh, yeah, it was election night was rough um, for a lot of us. Uh, Longer term listeners, the podcast will have heard our episode after very shortly after that election. It was a rough one. Um, but I also have no reason not to believe the people who have come forward accusing Bill Clinton of rape um, and and Hillary Clinton of intimidation. So I have a, let's say, nuanced relationship with clinton hillary clinton and um as far as i'm concerned bill clinton can off um so so i you know it was going to be an interesting proposition i think for me what i just kept taking away from it was how like certain parts of it were really interesting but others it just felt very um it like had a very clear pro clinton lens that everything was through and what got mentioned, what didn't like even just like the amount that they focused on certain things and the terminologies they used um, was so that it would feel like they were addressing these issues without giving them any weight and without actually investigating them. And I thought that actually a much more compelling documentary was the one that came out during like towards the end of the 2016 election. It was, uh, was I want to say it was like PBS or something. Um, but this, somebody did a, a frontline or something. Somebody did a, uh, like a two to four hour documentary on Trump and a two to four documentary on Clinton. It was frontline. It was frontline. Yeah. Thank you. And I thought that was a much more interesting and, and it felt much less honed and spun documentary about her life. So there was very little here I didn't already know. And yes, the access is, uh, is very interesting. It gives you a lot. But for me, it, sacrificed a lot more than what they got from it. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of the thing is that I do think that it's pretty firmly sort of in her tank, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not, a, it's not, it's not a news documentary of any kind. It's not frontline. Um, so I don't expect that. Um, there's a general sort of, however, of like, certain degree of apology to her like they give bill clinton like a significant amount of time to sort of do his very charismatic lip biting type of deal and the soft bubba voice uh drops down and that kind of stuff gets played up when they uh get to the late 90s um so that's all kind of feels weirdly unnecessary um to this and i don't know why it's there um in terms of part from, yeah, I don't know why it's there. I can't think of a justification for why that particular thread of that particular narrative is there. Um, so yeah. And I'm also with you in that there's very little in terms of like a historical arc that's new here. I think that there's a good use of the, her history to be, to recontextualize some of the 2016 stuff. However, it was also plenty, it wasn't fresh either, because, like, 
people were either aware of it or people were, whatchamacallit, um, talking about it, if provided that they had this sense of history and the arc of her story. From And I think it's Begala who makes this point of like, no, she was always really liberal and now she's the corporate sellout because we didn't like her when she was super liberal. So she shifted um, to which I go. Yeah, but she also shifted with the larger Democratic Party that her, she and her husband spearheaded that shift, which this documentary also makes very clear that one of the larger reasons why the GOP really struggled with combating Clinton and didn't want Clinton to run. Um, was the fact that he did this third way um, democratic approach, centrist kind of an approach to running things, and that we can't hit him on anything but scandal because he agrees with us on economic policy, and that's all we care about um, at that time. Aside from parts of the religious um, religious right that were still prevalent enough then. Um, anyway. That, that was that push of like, yes, but also type of thing of like contextualizing her, uh, which was, I think, fine. But again, wasn't new concept of her. Um, so that access is really what like makes the documentary attractive. That whole behind the scenesness of the 2016 campaign, um, whenever uh, Huma doesn't like sh- shoo us away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, it's just that moment with Kane. Uh, yeah, was great. <laughs> yeah, where, the, where you could tell they have forgotten that they are being filmed <laughs> because yeah. this is like, oh, uh, we're actually going to stop. Like the topic immediately switches to what uh, do you think these shirts clash? Uh, we weren't talking about Russia having <laughs> compromise. No, uh, yeah, it was yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was one of those like moments of access where it's like, ooh, you got something good there. Yeah, you did. And you, they just forgot. And mm-hmm. that's like, that's sort of like the juicy documentary stuff that you want. Um, but there's like, not enough of it. Like, to like, spur on that sense of access was really, really great. Um, because that's basically all you get. Uh, because she gives you the Bernie sound back in a talk in like a present day talking talking head interview type of thing and a that got circulated a lot b it's hardly surprising that she does not care for sanders like never mind that he was a very tireless surrogate for her in after the convention um but like all that kind of stuff of like oh yeah no it's very clear but also also to a certain degree it also reaffirms like larger things within his campaign this year um but again within the confines of this documentary it just doesn't feel fresh enough really and that's kind of frustrating um but it's also could just be us and having too much knowledge and being a little too steeped um in this to certain degrees yeah well i mean there is definitely i think a space for a very curious documentary about what happened in 2016 and why. Yes, but heading into a another campaign. Yeah, uh, going up against Trump and and even one that is focused so intently on just Clinton and the Clinton campaign. Absolutely. But it doesn't feel like this is offering anything new and some of the some of the interviews really, I think, are effective and interesting. 
and just a lot of them are like like very watchable you know like you can see why they're being interviewed like it's not like there's not a point to them or anything like that but it's it's just more like kind of filling in some of the corners around like i would be more interested in interviews with people who knew them growing up who are friends with them at college you know wanting to talk about their friend who no one gets to see or you know that or like yeah no like when there's a brief moment with um one of their classmates at Yale who's like, oh, yeah, all of us who knew them at school were like, we definitely believe Monica Lewinsky because that feels like Bill, right? Um, and, and, and so, like, there were moments that felt very genuine. And then the rest of it, not that it feels spun or artificial, but it just, it it is stuff that either a lot of, if you're curious about this topic, you already know, or that makes sense and is very like connects on from there like and, and they're just i don't i guess i just don't see the the value unless you're already a clinton fan i don't really yeah. see the value of this documentary because get like anything that could be a criticism um will be approached and then like pivoted to or approached from one direction and then like like hand waved away so the like the benghazi hearings right and and how ridiculous all that was and my former representative peter roscom who i wrote my mom and i literally wrote over a thousand postcards to help get him out <laughs> it was nice to see him pop up um but uh like so like things like that but then there's no just like let's just not mention the thing, the missteps or the the things that don't fit with our narrative that prompted this 10 hour yeah. hearing or like the stuff with, with Bernie and, and, and discussions around how many women it, when they would have these like um, listening sessions would connect where it would lash out at Hillary um, for staying with Bill. And then you'd find out that actually they were dealing with their own issues because their husband cheated on them. It's like, also, some people just don't like her. It's not irrational, you know, that everyone doesn't like her. There yeah. are plenty of people who have not been cheated on, who don't like that she stayed with with Bill. Um, and that, you know, like, it, it just, it felt too, you know, and Clinton herself, she, you know, she seems like she's had a long time ago had just come to terms with the fact that not everyone's going to like her. And that's fine. But it didn't feel like the documentary was fine with that. Yeah. And, yeah, that's... And, and it's just like, yes, systemic racism. Yes, systemic uh, sexism. Yes, all of these things. And no, there's no perfect female candidate. And, oh, I wrote for a woman, just not that woman. A hundred percent. Like, it's like you're quoting me. <laughs> you know? And also, some people have perfectly valid reasons for not supporting her and not agreeing with her policies and, and or or seeing the good that she has done in her very long career and still not wanting her to be president. And as someone who voted for her and really wanted her to be president, thought she was, uh, you know, is one of the most qualified people who's ever run for the job. Mm -hmm. Um I still am perfectly comfortable with that. And um, 
I wish I just it would have been more a more interesting documentary, I think, if the if the documentary was more comfortable with that concept as well. Right. There's a real drive to weirdly humanize her, mm-hmm. which is bizarre because like, I mean, yes, no, I, I they address this in that sense of, yeah, no, she's terrible, like in groups, but she's great one on one. And it's just like, yeah, no, I'm OK with that. Like that never bothered me. Like, yeah, no, she's a terrible campaigner in terms of a that kind of a thing of like that big overall arching campaign type stuff um like she's not particularly good on the stump um she never has been but she's good at getting some things across which i think that this documentary does do a decent job of capturing Mm -hmm. but it still feels like they very much want you to get over it basically of like oh but this is why and it's just one and i really appreciated like one of the campaign aides going no like her biggest thing is the fact that she just knows too much and then she just starts explaining things in ways that no one can understand (laughs) and then you get that clip of her like launching into this big thing about uh college tuition or healthcare. i can't remember which one and i just feel my eyes going oh See, Elizabeth Warren watched the play footage and went, not that. Yeah. That's how I don't do this. Two cents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Don't worry about all the regulatory levers that I'm going to pull. I know where they are. That's why they're scared of me. Two cents. That's all, we, that's all we're going to do is I have a plan in two cents. Everything else is just, everything else is just for the wonks. But... I've, and so you see that kind of a through line that the documentary does not like make. But as an audience, you go, oh, Elizabeth Warren just watched all of this footage and went, that is what I'm not going to do. The the footage of uh, when they get to, you know, showing when this was made, <laughs> when they get to the uh, um, historically diverse field of candidates with six women in the running for the presidency for 2020, the Democratic nomination is just like so... <laughs> so bittersweet so so like you know an actual assault in the wounds like yeah 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 this would uh if you this had come out a little sooner this would have landed better for you because yeah that's not what the candidacy isn't what the field is like anymore and that certainly is uh like just the certain there would be certain moments that just would you know you where you wanted to sit down the the democratic campaigns right now and be like okay a lot of this stuff you already know. But watch this part here, because it seems like you haven't learned yeah. the exact same lesson. Because I hear these same talking points in 2020 that did not work in 2016. And I see hear this same overconfidence about the the followers and supporters of, of Trump, his base, and also what does and does not connect with people. In the 2020 campaign, and I'm, you know, that that is quoted right here. That is like, there's footage of people at the time in Clinton's campaign and in Sanders' campaign saying the same thing. So, like, ugh, it just, ugh, I, it, 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 it leaves one uh, increasingly anxious about the future. We need more legends. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's ultimately sort of. For me, anyway, what's kind of missing from some of this is that while we do get that, like, backdoor, uh, behind-the-scenes access, 
we're not privy to a lot of other stuff of like larger campaign decisions and like elucidating those kinds of decisions, um, which I feel like would be here, but again, kind of pushes against the narrative of, oh, they really fucked up by why did we fuck up? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not here um, to a certain extent. It's there-ish, but it also kind of amounts to the sort of like that. There's a discussion from one aid of like, it wasn't arrogance. Like it just wasn't, we were taking this seriously, but also look at him. <laughs> um and you get that especially like when they're getting like um whatchamacallit when we're seeing reactions in their room to the debates and it's just like yeah yeah no it it does make him look bad it doesn't matter because you misunderstood things yeah you've you've fundamentally misunderstood what his the people he's trying to reach are going to connect yeah. to yeah and yeah if you want to oh man have a tricky and difficult and depressing viewing experience uh the 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 kids react fbe channels um have done a react to the elections they did one um like for the past several four years so they did one in 2016 and they like started with like a hey guys we know this is a really heated topic but we've done one of these for the last several elections so we felt like we should do it this time please be cool in the comments um and they did they did it for 2012 they did it for 2008 these different things where people are reacting to the debate videos and like and they have roughly have about a 50 50 uh spread of democrats and republicans that are watching it and just watch it like it it opened my eyes in a way um, to certain things because watching it and watching debates that I had watched and gone like, well, she just crushed the debate. He sounded like a raving lunatic. And then watching people react to it and connect immediately with what he's saying and like that and call her a nag and a shrew and, you know, like. puppet. No, you're the puppet. Yeah. People loved that. Yeah. People loved that. And like, how would you possibly? But they they did. And you can go watch the React video if you want to see. And it's just, it was amazing for me. Because uh, it just showed, again, just how fundamentally disconnected uh, I was from the the broad base of support that type of debate performance would find when it was against a woman and against Hillary Clinton in specific. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which led to, the, like, that decent discussion of, like, she probably couldn't turn around and, like, call him a creep then, but maybe now? Maybe and now answer someone is, could? Maybe now is, like, maybe. Warren maybe. probably could have. Yeah, probably could have. Because um, she had, like, established that she was tough, right, in yeah. the, the, the thing with Bloomberg, but... Right, exactly. Yeah, not um, everyone could. No, like, I don't think that Harris would have been able to get away with it because she would yeah. have had to walk way too many different lines on that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's... it's, oh, it's Gabbard it. could get away with it, though. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there was a good line about Gabbard in the Buttigieg monologue. I will say that. Uh, okay. Call back to that. Uh, that's, I don't know if that's enough of a reason to check it out, but anyways, <laughs> we are getting far afield. Do you have any we final are. thoughts on the Hillary documentary? 
Not really. Um, I mean, it's a little more than four hours. Um, I don't know that I'd recommend it, per se. Um, I'd almost encourage you to watch the Frontline documentaries that both of us have referenced. Um, they're both really, really good um, from 2016. The Trump one in particular is really fantastic. Uh, but the Hillary one is also very, very strong, I think. So I encourage you to watch those instead of this. Yeah. Well, and it, it, you know, as someone who felt like I had a handle on both of these candidates, they were both very uh, informative and told me things I did not know about them both and uh, that I thought were really effective. So yeah, definitely. If you're curious, we would point you to those frontline documentaries. If you're a, a, a Clinton fan and you are curious on like personal emotional reactions to things, like there's some good stuff here. Um, if you're curious about perspective, that is all very, just go in knowing this is all very pro Clinton and pro Hillary Clinton specifically, uh, about, you know, just different parts of her journey as first lady, um, before then. And then, but most specifically from first lady on, there's a lot of stuff here for you, but if you're looking for like more of a, like a look at you know, the, this person and their life and the things that shaped them and that kind of a thing. I think that you'll get a more interesting, though, I'm, ad, admittedly, nowhere near the access, but a more interesting look from the Frontline documentary. Yeah. Yeah, no, the way that they just kind of do a flyby over her time in the Senate was I was just went, okay, well, I know you want to get to the Secretary of State stuff so that you can actually get to the campaign, but we're also just going to completely skate by the 2008 primary entirely. Just yeah. like, bye! We don't want to say anything bad because we got access to Barry. Bye! <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> yep. And on that note, <laughs> bye. A few show notes here. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chapter feed and MP3 on chapter feed. We're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And we are both on Twitter. I am at theteleverse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, stay safe and contained out there as, as best you can. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.